Welcome to He That Hath Ears, Listen Podcast. My name is Dave Krupa, a Christian and student of the Bible. Each episode, I will share lessons I learned from God's Word to help on the Christian journey in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time exploring the Bible with me today. Now, let's listen. Our lesson today comes from John chapter 11, verses 1 through 35. Lazarus had become terminally ill. Upon being informed of his condition by Christ's disciples, Jesus delayed going to the home of Lazarus until he had been dead for four days. Upon his arrival, Christ is met by Martha, who cries out to Christ, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Mary, hearing that Christ had arrived, runs to him and echoes Martha's words, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Christ, going to the gravesite, sees the mourners and Martha weeping. With a heart full of compassion, Jesus weeps. The Jewish mourners, seeing his tears, said, See how much he loved Lazarus? Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Mary, Martha, and the mourners, all in the face of this tragedy, the sudden death of a good man, all were in essence asking the same question. Where were you when we needed you? In the midst of the events brought on by the coronavirus pandemic, Many are asking the same question of God today. God, where were you? I believe that the truths presented in the account of John chapter 11 answer the question. First of all, we have to realize, as we see in John chapter 11, tragedies happen. And it is pointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Hebrews 9 and 27 Job 14 and 1 says, Man that is born of a woman is of few days and full of trouble. Ecclesiastes 2, 22 through 23 says, For what hath man of all his labor and of the vexation of his heart, wherein he hath labored under the sun? For all his days are sorrows and his travail grief, yea, his heart takes not rest in the night. This is also vanity. Tragedies are all part of the result of man's fall and our sinful nature. As Paul wrote in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. While tragedies happen, we have to realize tragedies happen to all men. 1 Corinthians 15.22 says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Matthew 5.45 He makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Ecclesiastes 9.2 and 3 All things come alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good and to the clean, and to the unclean. To him that sacrifices and to him that sacrifices not. As is the good, so is the sinner, and he that swears, as he that fears an oath. We can see by these verses, the tragedies do happen to all men, 
and none of us are above experiencing them. However, tragedies do not happen outside of the scope of God's sovereignty. John 11 and 4, we see that when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And in Matthew 10 and 29, Jesus made a point. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. Someone once wrote, There are two great forces at work in the world today, the unlimited power of God and the limited power of Satan. God overrules and overrides in the affairs of men to affect his perfect will. There is no situation so chaotic that God cannot, from that situation, create something that is surpassingly good. He did it at the creation, he did it at the cross, and he will do it even today in our present situation. Another thing to keep in mind is that situations may not always seem pleasant while we are in them, But the promise of God is clear if we love Him and live our lives according to His precepts, even that which seems to be bleak and hopeless will be turned by God for His glory and our benefit. Hold on, God is faithful. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Romans 8 and 28. God often uses tragedy for our benefit. Note the words of Jesus in John 11 and 15. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent you may believe, nevertheless, let us go unto him. Tragedies have a way of getting our attention. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world, C.S. Lewis. Blessed is the man that hears me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. Proverbs 8 and 34. I heard a story once that goes, Before refrigerators, people used ice houses to preserve their food. Ice houses had thick walls, no windows, and a tightly fitted door. In winter, when streams and lakes were frozen, large blocks of ice were cut, hauled to the ice houses, and covered with sawdust. Often the ice would last well into the summer. One man lost a valuable watch while working in an ice house, and he searched diligently for it, carefully raking through the sawdust, but didn't find it. His fellow workers also looked, but their efforts, too, proved futile. A small boy who heard about the fruitless search slipped into the ice house during the noon hour and soon emerged with the watch. Amazed, the people asked him how he found it. I closed the door, the boy replied, laid down in the sawdust, and kept very still. Soon I heard the watch ticking. Often the question is not whether God is speaking, but whether we are being still enough and quiet enough to hear Him. At times, God has to stop us in our tracks in order that we hear Him. 
Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Psalms 46 and 10. Tragedies often reveal our own imperfections. If you'll turn your Bibles with me to Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 to 32. Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She cry in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Because I have called, and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. But ye have set at naught all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge, and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel, they despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way, and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. We wonder why God would permit the tragedies of life to happen. But is it any wonder in light of the millions of innocent unborn infants slaughtered in the abortion mills throughout our country? In light of our casting God out of our schools? In light of the movement in America for the removal of any appearance of the Christian heritage of our government? In light of the continued breakdown of family values and the condoning of things which are unnatural and perverted. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Second Chronicles 7 and 14 Tragedies reveal our dependency as well. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10 and 12, Wherefore let him that thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. I've heard that if you put a buzzard in a pen that is 6 feet by 8 feet and is entirely open at the top, the bird, in spite of its ability to fly, will be an absolute prisoner. I understand the reason is that a buzzard always begins flight from the ground with a run of about 10 to 12 feet. Without space to run, as is its habit, it will not even attempt to fly, but will remain a prisoner for life in a small jail with no top. The ordinary bat that flies around at night, a remarkably nimble creature in the air, cannot take off from a level place. If it is placed on the floor or flat ground, all it can do is shuffle about helplessly and, no doubt painfully, 
until it reaches some slight elevation from which it can throw itself into the air. Then, at once, it takes off like a flash. Though I've never tried this, I have heard that if you put a bumblebee into an open tumbler, it will be there until it dies unless it is taken out. It never sees the means of escape at the top, but persists in trying to find some way out through the sides near the bottom. It will seek a way where none exist until it completely destroys itself. In many ways, people are like the buzzard, the bat, and the bumblebee. We struggle about with all of our problems and frustrations, never realizing that all we have to do is look up. Think about this the next time you decide to let everything in the world worry you. Tragedies temper or mature Christians. 2 Corinthians 4 and 17 For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. I heard a story that many years ago, there was found in an African mine the most magnificent diamond in the world's history. It was presented to the king of England and to blaze in his crown or state. The king sent it to Amsterdam to be cut. It was put into the hands of an expert lapidary, and what do you suppose he did with it? He took the gem of priceless value and cut a notch in it. Then he struck a hard blow with his instrument, and lo, the superb jewel lay in his hand split in two. Did he do this out of recklessness, wastefulness, and criminal carelessness? Indeed not. For days and weeks that blow had been studied and planned. Drawings and models had been made of the gem, its quality, its defects, its lines of cleavage had all been studied with minutest care. The man to whom it was committed was one of the most skillful lapidaries in the world. Was that blow a mistake? No. It was the climax of the lapidary's skill. When he struck that blow, he did the one thing which would bring that gem to its most perfect shape, radiance, and jeweled splendor. That blow which seemed to ruin the superb precious stone was, in fact, its perfect redemption. From those two halves were wrought two magnificent gems which the skilled eye of the lapidary saw hidden in the rough, uncut stone as it came from the mine. Sometimes God lets a stinging blow fall upon our lives. The blood spurts, the nerves wince, the soul cries out in agony. The blow seems to us an appalling mistake, but it is not. For you are the most priceless jewel in the world to God, and he is the most skilled lapidary in the universe. Let us beware of questioning the methods and approaches of Almighty God. We lie in his hands, and he knows just how to deal with us. God could have kept Daniel out of the lion's den. He could have kept Paul and Silas out of jail. He could have kept the three Hebrew children out of the fiery furnace. But God has never promised to keep us out of hard places. What he has promised is to go with us through every hard place 
and to bring us through victoriously. But he knows the way that I take. When he had tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Job 23 and 10 When tragedy strikes as it has and as it will, you don't have to go through it alone. God is there and wants to be vitally connected to you. For the believer, God's word declares in Psalm 62, 7 and 8, In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times. Ye people, pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. To the unbeliever, he calls to come into your life with assurance that, as Hebrews 13 and 5 states, I will never leave thee nor forsake you. To the believer, he promises, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Matthew 28 and 20. Thanks for listening. W. Clement Stone wrote, That which you share multiplies, that which you withhold diminishes. If you found this podcast enjoyable, share the link with someone you care about.